I love the rich art and the architecture of this place because everything in here tells us who God is and what God has done and how much God loves us, especially the crucifix. Now, the downside of such a prominent crucifix is, however, that it can so focus our eyes and our thoughts on Jesus' death, His physical death, that we forget about everything else that He gave up to come to earth, to save us from our selfishness and our sin and our sickness. Now, that's, please don't hear me saying that Jesus dying on the cross is small potatoes. It is not. But that's not all that He gave up. And St. Paul fills in some of the blanks about the other stuff that was involved as he writes today to his friends in Philippi. Christ Jesus, who was in the very nature God, did not consider equality with God something to be used to his own advantage. Instead, he emptied himself and came to earth as a servant and humbled himself by being obedient, obedient unto death, even death on a cross. Jesus was and is God in heaven, all-powerful, all-knowing, everywhere, all the time. And He gave all of that up to come to earth. He gave up His godness. He gave up all the omnis, omniscience, which means He knows everything, omnipresence, which means He's everywhere all the time, omnipotence, which means He's almighty and can do anything. He gave all of that up to become a human being complete with all of our human limitations, that He could be in only one place at one time. All of us have struggled with that, haven't we? Wouldn't it be nice to be more than one place at the same time? We can't do it. He gave up knowing everything because we humans only know some things, even though all of us know some people who think they know everything. And He gave up being able to do anything to only be able to do some things, and we all know people who think that they can do everything, don't we? But they can't. And on top of this, on top of those human, regular, normal human limitations, Jesus was born into a poor family in a country that was occupied by a foreign power. And if that's not low enough to make sure he was the bottom of the barrel, he was Jewish, which is an ethnic group that has been persecuted and pushed around more than any other race in history. But Jesus loves us. And He loved us. And because He loved us, He came to earth. He gave all of that up to come here to save us from our selfishness and our sin and our sickness. And to do that, He had to give it all up to be one of us, to take our sins upon Him and take them to the cross. Hence, the crucifix. And it wasn't just a regular death. It was the worst one anyone can imagine. Well, he gave up all of that because the more we understand and appreciate what Jesus did, the more we understand how he loves us. And the more we understand how much he loves us, the more likely we are to accept God's invitation to come into His family, and to pray, yes, Jesus, you died for me, I'll live for you. And Paul fills in all of those blanks, not to take our eyes off the crucifix or to make us forget that Jesus died, but it's so that we can understand the complete depth of all that He's done, because Jesus didn't give up all that He did 
and do all that he did, all that he did only for us. He also did it as an example to us, to show us how to live and how to love so that we could be his partners in loving and serving the whole world and inviting them into the family as well. And because Jesus didn't give up all he did, because he gave up all that he did, he didn't do that only, and Paul doesn't write about this, only for our spiritual edification or our theological education, but to illustrate God's expectation for us in the world. And that is, in your relationships with one another, have the same attitude as Christ Jesus. And what was Jesus' attitude? Well, he showed us by his actions. He gave up his rights and his power and his privilege as God to be a servant and then kept serving even when it killed him. And he calls us to do the same. Youch! I thought Jesus came to make me healthy now and to get me into heaven when I die. Well, he did, but that's only the first half of the plan. The rest of the plan is that we would be his partners in loving and serving the world and inviting other people into this relationship with God. His other plan is that we would have the same attitude as Jesus does and do in our relationships what he did in his. Well, he gave up his rights, he gave up his power, he gave up his privilege as God, and I need to do the same to give up some of my rights and my power and my privilege and choose to be a servant. Now, servant is not a word we use a lot in America, but that's the role that Jesus took, and that's the role that He invites us into. And here's how it works. If I'm your servant, I'm here for your benefit, not mine. And I'm here for you, not you for me. That's what it means to be a servant. And if I'm going to have the same attitude that Jesus did, that means no whining. Do I have to be a servant? No, I get to be a servant. Because as a servant, I get the chance to enhance life for the people that I serve. And what a privilege that is to help people, to encourage people, to comfort people, to counsel people, to instruct people, to mentor people to do things for people that they can't do for themselves, to make their lives more pleasant, to make their lives better. As a servant, I get the chance to enhance the life of the people that I serve. There's more. Jesus chose to serve obediently in love, even when He knew it was going to cost Him His life. And that's what God expects of us too that we would be a servant even when it's inconvenient, even when it's difficult, even if it costs us some of our life as we measure it in time and energy and money. As I said before, youch! So what does it mean to be a servant with the same attitude as Jesus in real life? Well, if you are a son or a daughter... It means that you serve your family, you serve your parents. It means you keep your part of the house tidy. It means you do your chores without whining. Oh, do I have to? No, you get to because it helps the family. If you're a student, it means that you serve and are a servant in your school. Your classmates and your teachers and the staff there at the school, that you keep your part of the school tidy, that you listen instead of making trouble 
that you help other people around you learn what, they, what you know. It means that you are the friend to that person in the lunchroom that's sitting by herself. It means that you pay attention and listen to God for His plan and His intention for you as an adult, and you work hard now to prepare for then. Being a servant with the attitude of Jesus, if you are a single person without a spouse or without children, you have some choice and some freedom for who and how you serve because you don't have some of those other responsibilities. Well, listen to God for who He might want you to serve and choose wisely. And if you're waiting for Mr. or Miss Wright to show up, don't just wait around. Go ahead and start serving because it's very possible that if there is a Mr. or Miss Wright, they're already serving and they're praying for you to show up. If you are a spouse, God calls us to serve our spouse, even when they don't deserve it, even if they don't appreciate it, even if they don't seem to be worth it or respond to how we do it, and especially if, even if they're not serving us the way we think they ought to. That means husbands, love your wives as Christ loved the church and gave himself for her, even when she doesn't appreciate it even when she doesn't serve you, even when she won't make love with you, even, even if she tries to crucify you with her words. And it means wives, respect your husbands, even if you don't feel like they're doing anything that's worth respecting, even if they're irresponsible or unresponsive, even when they don't match up to all your expectations. Husbands and wives, our job as servants is to help our spouse to feel like the most loved person in the whole world. And the only competition between us is to see who can love and serve the other one better. To be a servant with the attitude of Jesus means if you are an employee, that you serve your employer and your customers well diligently, enthusiastically, not doing the least that it takes to get by, but to look to see how can you make the business better. And if your boss notices and rewards you for it, that's great. But if they don't, that still makes you a valuable team member and serves the other people that your co-workers and makes life better for your customers. And even if you're not rewarded in this job, um, somebody eventually will maybe in the next one. If you are an employer, that means that you treat your employees fairly and pay them well and help them to grow as human beings and not just as a cog in the machine. Being a servant with the attitude of Jesus means that if you're a grandparent, if you're a, grand, if you're a parent, if you're a parent, you do what's best for your children even if it's not easy or convenient for you, which includes saying no to unhealthy things they want, which includes setting boundaries around them for unhealthy behaviors that are going to help them grow into functional adults, which means modeling for them what it means to have the same attitude as Jesus in your relationships with people and politics. If you're a grandparent, you get to be a friend to your adult children and an adult friend to your grandchildren. And if you don't have grandkids anywhere close around here, we have a bunch of Messiah kids that would love to have some adult friends to love and encourage them as they grow up. 
And if you are a retiree, life is not over. And God did not set you free from your job just to sit on the couch or play golf or putter in the yard because you have some experience and some wisdom and some knowledge and some skills that can benefit some people. And God is calling you to be a servant to enhance the lives of folks around you. And if you're not sure where God might want you to serve as a retiree, come talk to me and we will ask God together. Because God... God wants to change the world through you. Now, if you are a part of the Messiah family, and if you've been here more than once, you are. If you're part of the Messiah family, please plug in and serve somewhere inside the parish or outside the parish. We have 30-plus ways that can help you do that. If you have not yet filled out your Messiah's Way commitment, please do. Now, if you're concerned about COVID and you're not sure it's safe to serve yet, that's okay. Go ahead and volunteer so that we can orient you to your task and save your place on the team. But no matter what age or stage of life we are in, whether it's a child, a student, a single person, a spouse, a parent, an employee, an employer, a retiree, no matter what age or stage we are in life, God calls us to be that servant, to have the same attitude as Jesus, to give up some of our rights and our power and our privilege, to serve obediently, to serve selflessly, even if it's inconvenient, even if it costs us, even if it kills us. You say, well, I want to do that, but I don't do it very well yet. That's okay. Paul later on writes, work out your salvation with fear and trembling, which means do your best. Do your best to do what you know is right. And take heart because you're not alone and you're not on your own to become that servant. If you are not yet the servant that you would like to be, here's what Paul says to you. For God is at work in you, both to will and to do His good pleasure. If you've said yes to Jesus, the Holy Spirit is working in you right now, first of all, to make you want to do what's right, and then to equip you to be able to do it. So if you aren't yet the servant you'd like to be, keep at it, and in time, you will be. You say, but I made some poor choices and done some stupid stuff in my past. Okay, you can change your mind. Jesus told a story today about a father who has two sons, told them both to go out work on the family farm. Son one said, I will not, but later changed his mind and went. Son number two says, okay, I will, but then didn't go. If you have said no to Jesus in the past, change your mind. Choose to be a servant. And if you've said yes to him sometime in the past, please do what you said you would. Because being a servant gives you the chance to enhance the world.